Welcome to the Watoto Church Podcast. Prepare your heart as we explore scripture and delve into the Word of God. Father, we thank you for your word. Indeed, no one else gets the glory. No one else gets the praise. Even through the preaching of your word, receive glory. Change us. Transform us by the power of your word. Lord, we don't just want to be hearers of the word. We want to be doers of the word. Because when we live according to your word, we cannot stop your blessing. So teach us your word, we pray. In Jesus' name. And everybody says, Amen. And Amen. Please pull out your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. A couple of weeks ago, we started a brand new series on the book of 1 Corinthians. And it's talking about how you can live your Christian life in the city. It is a letter written by the Apostle Paul responding to certain issues that he had heard about. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 that members of Chloe's household, this was Paul saying, that members from Chloe's household had told him about some of the issues that were going on in the church. This is a church that he had planted. We read in Acts chapter 18 how he went from Athens to, to Corinthians and then he began to preach the gospel there. And when he began to preach the gospel there, people began to give their hearts to Jesus. He was there for a period of about a year and a half. He planted an amazing church. They were really gifted. The power of the Holy Spirit fell upon the church. They were operating in the gifts of the Spirit. It was a powerful church in, in a city just like ours and in a city just like any city around the world. Uh, it was a wealthy city. It was a trade route by sea and by land. And so business was booming. People came from all kinds of backgrounds. The Greek were there. The Jews were there. There's people from all kinds of backgrounds. They worshipped a goddess called Aphrodite, the citizens of Corinth. Uh, and was a goddess. Um, and there were temple prostitutes where, uh, you know, casual sex was one of the things that they practiced to honor this God. I, I mean, the religious beliefs were completely off. And, and that's the city to which Paul came. And he preached the gospel there. And uh, God did incredible things there. But after he'd left, issues cropped up. And he had to respond. And so he writes First Corinthians. Uh, and so we have a lot to learn from that because uh, we live in cities just like in the day of Corinth. And the issues that existed then exist today. So he writes to respond in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 to 4. We talked about division in the church. Paul addressed this. We saw that it's still happening in the church. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 11, uh, writing about the abuse of the Lord's Supper because he also had to address issues of public worship. He was teaching them how to uh, uh, approach the Lord's table in a worthy manner. And then he writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 that we talked about last week, that we should not tolerate sin, rather we need to confront sin. the key issues that we're still grappling with today. Now, if you've missed any one of those messages, make sure you go back to our YouTube channel. Make sure you watch them. I know they'll be a blessing to you. Today, we want to continue on to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 from verse 1 to 11 is about lawsuits among believers. And there were issues where people are saying, you know, 
talk to my lawyer. Talk to my lawyer. I'm dragging you to court. But that's not what we want to talk about today. I want you to mark that. We'll talk about it on another day. Today, I want us to focus on verse 12 to 20 as Paul addresses the issue of sexual immorality in the church. He confronts that behavior. He confronts their habits. He confronts that culture by talking to them about the truth concerning sex. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12 to 20. Paul writes, and this is what he says. I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. You say, food for the stomach, and the stomach for food, and God will destroy them both. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead and he will raise us also. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said, the two will become one flesh. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body. But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your temples are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You are bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Honor God with your bodies. Paul was addressing the issue of sexual immorality in the church. It was fueled by the sexualized culture of the city of Corinth. A city in which it preached the gospel so powerfully. People had given their hearts to Jesus. But even when they came to the Lord, certain things didn't change. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, as he begins to address this big issue of sin, one of the examples he points to is a man that was sleeping with his father's wife in the church. Incest was going on. There was all kinds of sexual immorality and he takes time to address it. In fact, there's a verb that still exists today, Corinthianize. To Corinthianize is to live a sexually immoral life. So you can look sharp when you say, man, this is Corinthianization. Simply what you're saying is that this is a culture riddled with sexual immorality. That was the culture of the city. And the people hadn't experienced such transformation. They were still going back to their sexually immoral ways. And then he begins to confront them. He begins to expose their culture. Some of the phrases they used, and these were Greek phrases used by the poets, and people used them to justify the life that they were living in. Verse 12, we read there, people would say, all things are lawful for me. 
That was one of the sayings in the city. All things are lawful for me. In other words, they were claiming that my body is my property. No one tells me what to do. This is my right. I do whatever I want with my body. Another statement they used was food for the stomach and the stomach for food. God would destroy them both. In other words, they were saying, when you are hungry, what do you do? You eat. Well, when you want to sleep around, what do you do? You sleep around. That's what they were saying. When you're hungry, you eat food. When you feel like sleeping with somebody, just go and do it. Because God is going to destroy this body anyway. And when you want to know the culture of a people, look at their language. So Paul begins to confront. He begins to push back. Because he has to remind them who they are. They are the people of God. So he begins to write to them. When they said, I have the right to do anything. 1 Corinthians 6, 12 to 13. He says, I have the right to do anything you say. And this is what his response is. But not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything. But I will not be mastered by anything. Paul was saying to them, listen. You become a slave of the thing that you give yourself to. If you give yourself to the lusts of your body, you are going to be mastered by those lusts. You're going to become a slave to masturbation and pornography and fornication and adultery and homosexuality and lesbianism. You're going to become a slave. There is no freedom. It is not beneficial. It is not profitable to you. In other words, it's going to destroy you. When they said food for the stomach and stomach for the food, God will destroy them both. Paul says to them, the body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. Amen? The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. And the Lord for the body. Paul is saying to them, listen, what you do with your body matters. What you do in your body matters in fact the bible tells us on the day of judgment we will be judged for what we did while in the body what you do with your body matters and you see this entire loose sexual culture was among the christians by the way was built on the understanding that the material things didn't matter because one day when we go to be with the lord we're going to leave all these things behind so while we are still here on earth, indulge to your feel. In any case, Jesus died and once saved, always saved. So I might just live my life the way I want. And Paul is writing to them saying two things. One, it is not beneficial. But two, your body was not meant for sexual immorality, but for a holy God. Let's be honest. It's very easy to point fingers at the Corinthians. But we know sexual immorality is still an issue in the church. We know it's still an issue. You hear statements that are made here in Kampala, Uganda, Juba, South Sudan, wherever you are around the world. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. It's okay. Nobody has to know what we do in private. Casual sex between two consenting adults is fine. If we agree, it is good. 
We are of age. We are not kids. What I do with my body is none of your business. You've heard some of those statements. My property is my property. And then you've had this one. It's a wrong teaching from the Bible. Your spirit was saved. Therefore, do what you want with your body. It will not affect your salvation. It's a lie from the pit of hell. It affects your salvation. In fact, it not only affects you, it affects many people around you. And these statements, these ideas become the foundation upon which our life is built. And the evidence is there to show. Teenage pregnancy is number one in the world, Uganda. Broken marriages in the church. As a pastor, we are working with couples and this is one of the big issues. Broken families where sexual immorality has been a habit. And the current generation is grappling with the sin of their fathers. In Uganda right now, we are grappling with DNA tests. Why are you taking a DNA test? Because you're not sure that child is yours. The downfall of pastors and religious leaders in this nation because of sexual immorality. Fatherless children. The death of dreams, hopes, Plans, ambitions, your educational dream was stolen. Your career was destroyed. The organization that you build and the resources you'd managed to gather in order to pursue the vision, all of it fell down dead. Why? Because we couldn't zip up our pants. So it is in all of this mess. That God brings us much needed wisdom. Because listen my friend. God wants to spare you from the pain of sexual immorality. God wants to set you free from the pain of sexual immorality. God wants to heal your broken heart. Because of sexual immorality. That's why Paul. Had to write. And teach them the truth. About sex. Because you see, what you believe affects how you live. We must believe what the Bible teaches about sex because then it will govern the way we lead our sexuality and sex. Very important. So what can we learn as the truth about sex from 1 Corinthians chapter 6 as Paul writes? Number one, sex is not merely physical. Verse 16 to 17 of 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said that two will become one flesh. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Paul was helping these guys understand that you become one with the person you sleep with. He takes them back to Genesis chapter 2 verse 24. It's the story of the creation account when God brings Adam to Eve and he exclaims, she's born of my bone, she's flesh of my flesh, she will be called woman. 
and then they consummate their marriage. The Bible says that is why a man leaves his father and mother, is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. A husband and wife become one flesh through sexual intimacy. In God's design for sex, sex is meant to be a glue. Sex is meant to be a bond between a husband and a wife. For life, only one partner. That's how the Lord made it. And not just a man and a man or a woman and a woman. That is evil before God. Only a husband and a wife. And a husband is a man born male. And a wife is a woman born female. At birth. One for life. You get married. You make your vows in the presence of God. And before his people... And only then is it legal for you. Otherwise, it's illegal for you to have sex outside of marriage. And in God's design, sex is not just a physical thing. It bonds you together. You're one. It's a glue. When we begin to believe the lie... That, oh, I can just use a condom and everything will be fine. There is a soul tie that happens even when you have a condom. Oh, here Uganda. Here is Uganda. Can we just stop pushing condoms? And tell people about Jesus. And teach them how to abstain. We have a crisis on our hands. Believers, stop sleeping around. Sex is not just physical. There is an emotional bond. There is a tie. Do you know why it is difficult to report rape? Because something has been broken. Adultery. Trust has been broken the pain that a husband and a wife go through because now you've crossed the boundary you've introduced someone you've introduced some people it's a violation of trust because sex is not just physical. It is more than that. The other truth that you and I need to understand is this. Your body is valuable. Your body is valuable. Don't be like the Corinthians who say, Oh, God will destroy them both. So let's just live the way we want. No, your body is valuable in verse 19. First Corinthians chapter 6. Do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. In other words, it says when Jesus died, when Jesus shed his blood, he shed his blood to redeem you, but also to redeem your body. He redeemed all of you. Yes, when you ask him for forgiveness, he will forgive your sin. You become born again and a child of God. But also your body, you belong to him. You are not your own. Help me tell your neighbor, you are not your own. Tell your neighbor, you are not your own. Listen, we belong to Jesus. And because we belong to Jesus, we must understand that he puts a high price on the way we live 
in our bodies. Your body is valuable. You are under new management. This body belongs to Jesus. I mean, this body is so important. The Bible talks about the day when the Lord returns. First Corinthians chapter 15, you can go there. Verse 51 to 53. He says, but let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we'll be all transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies will be transformed into immortal bodies. Paul is saying to them, listen guys, it matters. Don't believe the lie that what you do with your body doesn't matter because you're going to leave it here on earth. It matters. He says on the day that the Lord returns, the trumpet shall sound. And those who died but were born again believing in Jesus, they'll be the first ones to rise. And they'll be caught up in the cloud with Jesus. And thereafter, those of us who are alive and have our faith in Jesus and are born again, will be caught up with him in the clouds. And the Bible says it will happen in the twinkling of an eye. It will be just so sudden. All our bodies will be transformed we will have an imperishable body we will have a perfect body so if your body matters now it will matter for eternity it will matter you know what Paul said I beat my body daily to teach my body to submit because it matters how I live Oh, pastor, I'm not sleeping around with anybody. It's pornography, it's masturbation, it's just me. Your body matters. I just want to stop and say to somebody here, you might have been sexually abused by someone. And maybe when you look at yourself, you look at yourself without value, without dignity, without worth. I came to let you know that you have value in God's eyes. That he loves you and he cares about you. And he wants to deliver you from that pain, that guilt, and that shame that you have carried all of your life. Maybe it's what has driven you to do the things that you do. Sleeping around, going from one relationship to another. Because you feel that's where you're going to find acceptance and value. And that's maybe why you dress the way you dress. Because you think you'll, you'll be attractive that way. I came to let you know, no. Your body is valuable your body is valuable you are the temple of the holy spirit you carry god's spirit you carry god's presence so carry your body with dignity value and worth because you were bought with the precious blood of jesus you're the temple of the holy spirit but thirdly here's another truth i want you to know sexual sin is sin against your own body it is sin against your own body. I want to let you know, my friends, that you were created for a purpose. God gave you this body and saved you so that you can serve him with your body. When you take your body and use it for sexual immorality, when you indulge in incest, in, in all kinds of immorality, pornography and masturbation and, and homosexuality and lesbianism, when you do that, you sin against this body because you're using your body for sin and not for righteousness. 
He says, flee sexual immorality, verse 18. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against the body. It is taking the temple of God. It is taking this beautiful body that God created and using it for sin. It is going to a place where you say, Jesus, thank you for dying, me, dying for me on the cross. I thank you for your blood that washes away my sin. I thank you for all that you've made available to me through your death and resurrection. But in this moment, I am choosing pornography. I'm choosing homosexuality, lesbianism, adultery. Because right now, that is more pleasurable to me. It is despising the grace of God. It is rejecting the mercy of God. It is rejecting the love of God when you live that way. It damages your body. It damages your soul. It is a sin against your body. Think about a piece of tape. When you use a piece of tape so many times, what happens? Yes, after a while it stops sticking. It can't really stick. And that's what happens when you go sleeping around. That glue of intimacy is completely gone. One day when you get married and you want to start a family. You find it so difficult to connect. You find it so difficult to love, to open up. Because you've lost that. Maybe that's where you are. And you're grappling and you're wondering, how do I get out of this cycle? Sexual sin is sin against the body. This body has been given to us to serve the Lord. So let's not indulge in sin using the body. And now that we know these truths, what must we do? Number one, flee from sexual immorality. Verse 18 says that, flee from sexual immorality. Everyone shout flee. Oh, come on, do it louder than that. Everyone shout flee. flee. Paul tells us flee. When you see a venomous snake, you don't kneel and say come. When you see a venomous snake, you run. Listen, my brother, my sister. When there is an opportunity for sexual sin, that is a venomous snake. Flee. Don't kneel and pray. Don't negotiate. Don't discuss. Don't think about it. Flee. When Potiphar's wife came for Joseph, do you know what he did? He ran. He ran as fast as he could. Get out of that place. Get out of that relationship. Delete that social media platform. If you're not responsible enough to have a smartphone, get a phone that is not smart. I want you to get accountability. Who are you talking to? We have counselors here at church. 
who want you to begin to talk to them if you're struggling he's saying i failed to break this thing it's an addiction right now i can't stop sleeping around i can't stop thinking my mind my heart everything is going crazy i need help we have help for you here at watoto church don't struggle with this issue alone whether you're a married couple whether you're single come and let's deal with these issues Find accountability. We want to help you. Flee sexual immorality. Secondly, flee to Jesus. Don't only flee sexual immorality, flee to Jesus. Do you know what the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, chapter 4 and verse 15 to 16? It says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I want to let you know that when you're dealing with sexual immorality, you're not just dealing with a habit. You are dealing with a spirit. And that's not to scare you. That's just to say, there is one who is stronger than that demon. There is one that is stronger than that emotion. You don't have to be a slave to it. The Bible says we can come to the throne of grace and find mercy and help in our time of need. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Jesus can set you free. Jesus can set your family free. Jesus can set your children free. Today is a day of salvation and today is a day of freedom for you in Jesus name. If you believe it, say amen. You can find help in Jesus. He's above any situation. He has the power to break that desire. He has the power to set you free. Some people may have told you, no, that is who you are. No, that's not who you are. Only Jesus can satisfy. Sexual relationships will never satisfy you. In John chapter 4, Jesus finds a woman at the well. She'd been multiple marriages. Jesus said, I want to give you water that when you drink, you will never thirst again. When you come to Jesus and say, Jesus, help me, he will help you. He will deliver you and he will take you on a journey to change the way you think. He will change the way you feel. He will fill you with his spirit. And the Bible says when you begin to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, you will not satisfy the desires of your flesh. Rather, he will teach you self-control. There is victory in Jesus' name. Flee to Jesus. But lastly, honor God with your body. Honor God with your body. I want you to make a decision today. I'm going to honor God with my body. We saw it in verse 20. You are bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Friends, Jesus died to set us free from the power of sin. You and I need to make a decision. Say, Jesus, I leave this life behind me. I leave this habit behind me. I want to honor you. Why? You were bought by the precious blood of Jesus. So honor the Lord. Honor the Lord. The next time that person calls you, the next time they send you that message, the next time they come to your apartment or to your hostel or to your home, kick them out of there. Tell them I'm not doing this anymore because I want to honor my God. You'd rather miss out on a graduation than sleep with that lecturer. 
You'd rather lose out on a promotion at work than sleep with your boss. Let us make a decision. We're going to honor God with our bodies because our bodies belong to the Lord. We are under new management. We are under new management. So Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you. Lord, your word has the power to set us free. And today as we hear your word, we hear you calling us to holiness, to purity, to honor you with our bodies, to leave this life of sexual immorality behind us, to find forgiveness and to find deliverance in you. Set us free today. You're here. You've not given your heart to Jesus. You're not born again. Say, Brian, I want to give my heart to Jesus. I want him to forgive me of all my sin because, Brian, I've messed up. I've sinned against God. But I know that God loves me. And that's why he sent his son, Jesus, to die for me. I want you to know, my brother and sister, that today, when you ask Jesus to forgive you, he's going to forgive you. When you receive him as your Lord and Savior, he's going to make you a child of God fill you with his spirit and give you the power to live a pure and holy life. It doesn't matter what you've done. He loves you. So wherever you are, whether you're seated upstairs or downstairs here in person, say, Brian, I want to give my heart to Jesus. Just lift up your hand wherever you are. This is your moment. This is your day. Just lift up your hand. Give your heart to Jesus. It doesn't matter what sin. It doesn't matter what you've done. Jesus loves you. Lift up your hand. Give your heart to Jesus. He cares about you. He cares about you. Lift up your hand. Upstairs, downstairs, in the overflow, lift up your hand. Jesus sees that hand. As you lift up that hand, you're lifting it to Jesus. Thank you. Jesus sees that hand. Just lift it to him. Don't be ashamed. This is the best decision you'll ever make. Are you afraid? Go ahead and make that decision. Give him your life. Say, Lord, I had wasted my life, but here I am. Forgive me and change me. Set me free from the power of sin. He will do it today. Right here, right now. Do it. Some of you are joining online. You say, Brian, I want to give my heart to Jesus. Here's what I want you to do. Raise up an emoji of the hand in the chat section right now. Do it right now. Say, I give my life to Jesus. Do it right now. On air, in that room, lift up your hand. Just lift it to Jesus. It doesn't matter who is around you. Give your heart to Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Is that hand. Some of you here saying, Brian, I just want to recommit my life to Jesus. I want to recommit my life. I'd lost my way, but I'm coming back. Lift up your hand as well. Recommit your life to Jesus. The best decision you'll make. Come back to Jesus. Lift up your hand. We're going to pray in a minute. But I want you not to miss out on this moment. You say, Brian, I'm recommitting my life. I'm coming back. I was doing my own thing, but I'm coming back to Jesus. Lift up your hand wherever you are. Lift up your hand. Lift up your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? We're going to pray. Just lift up that hand. Keep it lifted up to Jesus. Now you've lifted up your hand, even online and on air, as you give your life to Jesus, as you recommit your life to Jesus. Will you pray this prayer after me, minute from the bottom of your heart? Every single one of us praying to encourage those who are making this commitment to Jesus. Praying, dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. I recognize that I am a sinner and I need a savior. Jesus, you are the only savior. Today, I am asking you 
to forgive me of my sin. Wash me clean in your precious blood. Give me a brand new life. Jesus, I now receive you as my Lord and my Savior. And from this day, I believe that I'm born again, that I'm a child of God. I will live for you and I'll follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, let everybody say amen. Clap your hands and say amen, amen, amen. Wow, thank you for praying that prayer and making that decision. Here in person, a friend of mine is reaching out to you right now. Uh, online, will you just click that link that says New Believer? Click that link. We want to know who you are. Leave your name and number. We'll get in touch with you. We want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus. Uh, church family joining us on air. Send us a quick email. Say, Brian, I gave my life to Jesus today during the service. Leave your name and number. We want to get in touch with you because we want to help you grow as you become a fully devoted follower of Jesus. One more time, we're total church. Just clap our hands and celebrate every miracle of salvation in this place. Thank you for listening. We hope this encourages you to step into the new. Tune in next time as we delve into the Word of God. For comments and feedback or counseling, write to connect at watotochurch.com. Hey, hey,